Well, good morning. Am I on? Do I have it on? I think I have it on. So, uh, when Pastor Matt asked me to fill in for him, uh, we tried to, we had to work it out. I, I got to say right off the bat, as soon as I'm done preaching, um, I would love to stay around and, and, and say hi and, and do all that. Um, I literally got to get out of here and get over to our church before I need to preach there. So I'm on a, I'm on a clock. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, the, when Matt asked me to, to preach for him, I looked at him and I said, I got this great idea. Um, I said, uh, I am going to come and preach for you, and I am going to wear a suit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up here, and I'm going to say, I did this, so you all know what a preacher is supposed to look like. And we laughed, and he told me, go for it, but we laughed because we knew it wasn't going to happen, because that would mean I had to stay in a suit all morning, and that wasn't going to happen. Um, so I, I, I threatened, but it, yeah, we knew it wasn't going to happen. Um, but I, I appreciate the opportunity to come and be with you. I think it's awesome to be able to join together and, and, and realize that we are part of a larger family than just our own congregations. Um, anyone that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and has their life completely transformed by him is part of a family that is so much bigger than what we're used to. Um, and I love that. Uh, so I love the opportunity to be able to come and do this. My church, actually, I had a couple of them make some smart comments to me saying, hopefully you're going to go get a lot of your, your preaching out of the way before you come to us, and you're going to be a lot shorter because <laughs> you've already kind of been primed a little bit. And I said, that's probably not going to happen. What's actually going to happen is I'm going to be even more into it, and we're going to go even longer. Um, but you know what? When we're studying the Word of God and we're in the presence of God, time does not matter because here's why. If time matters on a Sunday morning, what are you going to do when, when, when you're in heaven for all eternity? You know what? I mean, this is when we come into the presence of God, and we're saying we want to go there for all eternity. But so, so realize that's an awesome thing that we get to do, and I appreciate it. I also want to say thank you to the praise team that, that put up with me. Um, Matt knows that I usually lead worship, and he asked me if I would want to do it this morning, and I jumped at the chance because I don't usually get to sing with uh, actual musicians. That's not what we do. So I jumped at the chance of being able to do that, so I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that, um, and realize that you guys are very blessed. You have a group of people that work very hard to make sure they bring you the best worship they possibly can. Um, and lead you into the presence of God. So you should be thankful for that, and I thank them for that. Um, it was a joy. So, all right, let's get started. Let's, let's jump into this. Um, so, I, I love history. Um, I love learning about different things. I love watching documentaries. My wife hates the fact that one of my favorite channels is the History Channel, but it's always on because it's always great to learn some, some different stuff or learn new stuff uh, that you never knew before. Um, last month we, was an anniversary of something I want to talk about just for a moment as we begin, and it was, the anniversary was April 14th, 1912. Does anybody know the significance of April 14th, 1912? Good job. Awesome. This is the day the Titanic struck an iceberg, and they actually sank on April 15th because it happened at about 11 or so at night, but on this day, uh, the Titanic struck an iceberg, and 1,517 people lost their lives in this horrific tragedy, this accident. Um, but here's what I want us to understand when we think about the Titanic, just for a moment. This tragedy, this accident that took place was the result of many different factors. There were many things that led up to this horrible situation that happened that lost all of these lives. But one of the factors that led to this tragedy was people following misplaced priorities. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is misplaced priorities. 
You see, what ended up happening is the people that were, that were running the Titanic, the captain and the crew and those that built it and were overseeing it, they had misplaced priorities. And, and what ended up happening because of this, they forgot their purpose. And, and let me explain what I mean by this. When you think about the Titanic or any other ship, getting to their destination, getting to where they were going safely, arriving with their cargo and their passengers safely, that was their purpose. That was the purpose of this ship, was to get where they were going. But see, what ended up happening was these people that were running the ship started to become driven by selfish motives, which created selfish priorities. Here's what I mean. They were known as the greatest ship that was ever built, right? Not even God himself could sink this ship. They were already known as the greatest. They were already known as the most, you know, wonderful ship that was ever built. But now that they were on their maiden voyage, they wanted to be known also as the most powerful and the fastest ship. It wasn't good enough just to be known as the greatest ship. Now they wanted to prove we're the best and we're the fastest. Look how quickly we arrived. So what ended up happening is because of their misplaced priorities, they ignored the warning signs. The warnings came in that said, icebergs ahead, there is a danger ahead of you. And because of their misplaced priorities, instead of taking caution, instead of following their purpose, instead of following the priorities that they should have followed, the command was given full steam ahead. And see, wrong priorities eventually caused a shipwreck. So here's the point this morning. Wrong priorities in our lives will actually cause shipwrecks for us. And God gives us several warnings. And he says, hey, pay attention. There's danger ahead. But in many cases, because of our misplaced priorities, we don't pay attention to the warnings. And it's possible that many of us, at some point in our lives, even maybe today, could be heading towards an eventual shipwreck. Why, we might ask. How do priorities, how can misplaced priorities uh, end up happening or making this happen in my life? Well, just consider this for a second. Our priorities, the priorities we set, the things that we say are most important to us, they literally determine everything that we do. Think about this just for a moment. It's our priorities that impact how we use our time, how we spend our money, it's our priorities that we set in place that will determine how we use our energy and how we'll use our resources. In fact, most of the time, it's our priorities that monopolize most of our thoughts. Our priorities in life actually reveal the things that get the most of our attention, also what gets the most of our affections, what gets the most of our love, and ultimately, it's our priorities that tell us what we're devoted to most in life. So as we begin our discussion this morning, as we, as we talk about priorities for a little bit, here's the question I want us to wrestle with. At the end of the day, today, or if you want to go bigger, at the end of your life, what will be said on what was most important to you? I find it funny, um, whenever you, you talk to people, like, um, and I'm looking forward to this, I really am, this is going to sound really morbid, 
It is. It's going to sound horribly morbid. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, God, can you just give me a window just right now? I want to watch my funeral. Because you ever notice how everything that everybody says about somebody that's passed away is like the best ever? Like they were the greatest person that ever lived. And I'm like, God, I want to, I want to listen in on this. But honestly, ask yourself for a minute, what will people say? What will your family say? The reason, you know, this has been on my mind is a few, a few weeks ago, my daughters, I have a seven-year-old and I have a five-year-old. And one day they were kind of talking and, and they were making some smart comments about their mother. And of course, I thought, I thought it was hilarious when they were talking about their mother, right? It was hilarious. Uh, I'm laughing. My wife, Amy's getting mad at me because, um, you know, she thinks I'm egging them on. But they were pointing out some things in their mother. Like my oldest was like, yep, mom's got an attitude. And I'm like, Amen. And so they were going. And then for some reason, I think God was up, you know, looking down at me going, David, you're missing a wonderful opportunity to be a loving husband and a loving father. And he's like, I'm going to turn the tables on you. And all of a sudden, my daughter started to talk about me. And I'm not going to say a couple of things my daughter said, but one of the things my daughter said was like a knife to my heart where I'm like, wow, is that how my daughter sees me? Now, it wasn't horrible, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was like some horrible thing that she said, but in a moment, she made a comment that hit me right in my heart because it spoke to what she saw as most important to me. What I gave my time to, what I gave my resources to, what I gave my focus to, my attention to, and it hurt. So it started me thinking about priorities. So what do we want to be known for? That's what's been going on in my own head. When, when I am gone, what do I want my children to say about me, remember about me? What do I want them to say my priorities were? John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, said this at one point in time. He says, I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. In this one statement, John Wesley summed up his entire life he was announcing to everybody what he wanted to be known for. He wanted to be known for, first and foremost, his Savior. But not only that, he wanted to be known as a man that followed the Word of God and believed in the Word of God. He wanted to be known as a man that put the church of Christ as a priority, and he wanted to be known as a man that lived out the mission of God. So again, I ask the question, what do you want to be known for? And when you answer that question, what do I want to be known for? Let me ask this. Your current set of priorities in life, do they actually reveal that that's what you want to be known for? See, at Revolution, over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through 1 Peter. It's been our exile series is what we've been going through. Uh, studying of 1 Peter. It's a letter that was written to believers that were exiles, they, they were forced from their homeland, they were dispersed, they were scattered all over the place, and Peter says to them that they were called to live as strangers and aliens in this world. So what does it mean to be strangers and aliens? Well, basically, the whole thing Peter's trying to get, the point he's trying to get across is, listen, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to claim to be a disciple of Jesus, you better realize that we are called to be radically different than the rest of the world. And some of the things we've been talking about are revolutions. We've been talking about how our perspective in life needs to be different and our purpose in life needs to be different and our priorities in life need to be radically different. 
But it's important to understand that even though we're called to be different, the world is desperately going to want us to live by its set of priorities. And that's something we have to address and we have to understand and we have to think about on a regular basis. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 33, well-known passage of Scripture, but in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus lays it out clear as day what our priority is as a Christian is, what our priority as a disciple is. In Matthew 6, he says this very simply, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Pretty simple. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Priority. Boom. There it is. That's it. He doesn't go on and say, and after that this, and after that this, and after that this. He he lays it out clearly. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the questions I want us to wrestle with just for a moment is this. When we think about Jesus saying, this is the main priority. My kingdom, my righteousness is the main priority. So let me ask this. Are your priorities, now realize these are questions I have to ask myself. So I'm not throwing, it, I'm not throwing any question at anybody else that I don't wrestle with on a daily basis. Are my priorities determined by Christ or are they determined by myself? Who has set the priorities for my life? Am I setting the priority of my life or has Christ set the priority of my life? Basically, it comes down to this question, which is a question I don't like at all, but I have to wrestle with. Whose kingdom is the focus of my priorities? Is it Christ's kingdom that's the focus or is it my kingdom? The two kingdoms cannot be joined together. It's one or the other. The other question I had to wrestle with when I considered this, where Jesus says to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, I had to ask this question, are my priorities firmly established? So what I mean by that is this, maybe you're like me, I don't know, hopefully not, and you don't have this problem, but there were many times, and there's still times today, where I put Christ as the main priority, right? It's like, God, I'm doing it different, I'm doing it different, you're first, that's it, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'll give you a great example. Lord, I'm going to start getting up early in the morning, and I'm going to spend time in your presence, man, just me and you. I'm going to be in the Word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. That's the priority. I am not a morning person whatsoever. So what becomes the priority after a couple days? Sleep. So here's what I mean by that when I ask, are my priorities firmly established? There are times in my life where I say, God, I'm going to seek your kingdom. I'm going to seek your righteousness. That is the main priority. And then what ends up happening is circumstances change, the situation changes, something in life changes, and then all of a sudden my priorities change. Let me give you a great example of this. Uh, Me and my wife, uh, or my wife and I need to stop going to... um, Christian concerts that are sponsored by Compassion. You guys know what Compassion is, right? Adopting the kids um, and all that stuff. So we went to a concert about two, two months ago, and it was sponsored by Compassion, and we already have a child with Compassion. But then the guy gets up there, and he does the pitch about adopting a child, right? And what ends up happening is I sit there. Here's what I do, because I feel convicted, like maybe we should adopt another kid. But here's what I do. I say, Lord, if you want this to happen, make my wife say something. Because I think I'm going to get an out, right? Because it's like... What's the odds of that? He does the pitch. I'm sitting there, and out of the corner of my eye, I see her look at me. And she's just like, well, dang it. So we get another kid, which is great. Don't get me wrong. At the moment, I'm like, this is awesome, right? 
Well, then here's what happens. We get the new child. It's not like it's a lot of money. Here's the thing. It's not a lot of money. Um, Monday rolls around. That's on a Saturday. Monday rolls around. Uh, I get in the mail a letter from my student loans that say, hey, guess what? Um, this is not how it was worded, but this is how I read it. God blessed you last year, and you made a little bit more money, so we want more from you. Your student loan payment's going to go up $150 a month. Circumstances changed, right? All of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. Budget's going to look a little different. So what do you think the first thing my selfishness said? I bet you I could call them and cancel that before they process it. See how easy it is when circumstances change for us to change our priority? So when we think about this and we say, are my priorities firmly established? I, I want to encourage you and challenge you not to be people that allow your priority to change based on circumstances and based on situations. Life's going to get hard. Life's going to get difficult. Things aren't always going to go our way. But that doesn't mean it should change our priority that his kingdom comes first, his righteousness. That should always be the main priority. But we're going to be tempted and we're going to be challenged to put something else there. So just for a moment, let's talk about some of the things that might get in the way or fight for becoming our main priority. Well, some, it could be jobs, careers. Some of us, it might be our kids. Some, it could be our spouses. Others, it could be our hobbies. Some, it just might be the checkbook. Others, our main priority might be our reputation and how other people see us. Ultimately, it comes down to this. In most cases, what fights for that main purpose in our, our, our priority in our life is our own happiness. That becomes the main priority. Now realize this, none of these are wrong, and I'm not saying they're wrong, and I'm not saying they're even sinful by any means, but we have to understand that it is never to our benefit when they become the most significant priority of our lives. Because remember, misplaced priorities eventually cause a shipwreck. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, which is a beautiful statement that can come back to talking about priorities. He says this, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Here's the point I want us to understand this morning. Every single person in this room, you have the right to set whatever priority you want in life. You have that right. You can do whatever you want. I have that right. You have that right. I can set whatever I want as my main priority. But here's the point. Just because I set it as my main priority doesn't mean it's going to be beneficial to me. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, listen, everything's permissible. God will let you do it, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be beneficial to you. It doesn't mean it's going to be constructive to you. Because notice what Jesus says back in Matthew, where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but he doesn't stop there. He says, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Here's the point I want us to understand when Jesus says all of these things will be given to you as well. When we let Christ be the main priority of our life, where he's supposed to be, his kingdom, his righteousness, we are then in a position where he can enter into our lives and empower us to live out in victory and abundance all the other areas that we want to set as a priority. So let me give you an example of this. My children and my wife and my marriage are extremely important to me. They are a priority of my life. But here's the point. I cannot be the father and the husband that I am called to be unless Jesus is first. If my wife becomes first, 
guess what? I'm no good to her. When my kids become first, I'm no good to them. I can't be the man that God has called me to be unless Christ is first priority all the time. And when I allow him to be first, when I put him in the position of being first, he then empowers me to be the very man of God that I need to be for my wife and my children. So here's what I mean by this. The world wants us to come in there, and he, they would come and tempt me and say, hey, put your kids first. And it sounds like that's legitimate, right? My kids are important to me. I should put them first. It sounds good. But what ends up happening is the very children that I desperately want to love and serve and guide and teach and guide them towards Jesus, I actually end up hurting them in the long run. Because I'm not showing them what it means to be a man that puts Jesus first in everything. And that's what my kids need. That's what my wife needs. That's what my family needs. Like I said, I can't lead my family effectively if they're challenging Christ as the main priority of my life. Because realize, it's my devotion, it's my love, it's my faith in Jesus that flows into every other priority that I have. And not only does Jesus flow into every other priority, he guides how I live out those priorities. Jesus is the one that determines how I live as a father, as I live as a husband, how I live as a pastor, how I live as a friend. Jesus is the one that guides my time, how I spend my money, how I do my job. See, when Jesus is the first priority, he's the one that actually determines how I seek for my fulfillment and my happiness. And this is an odd thing, because sometimes you'll say this to a person that never has put Jesus first. It's like a foreign concept to them. Can I honestly tell, I will tell you, with, with every ounce of my being, I have never been happy unless Jesus is where Jesus is supposed to be. In fact, it's usually the reversal when Jesus is not, that's when, you know, life just gets crazy. And don't get me wrong, life is crazy when Jesus is first too, but it's, it's awesome because Jesus comes in there, he says, don't worry about it, I got this. I got this. You don't need to worry about this. So when we think about our priorities and we think about how we want to live our lives and how, you know, putting Christ first, I want to give you another scripture that really challenges me with this. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Paul makes this really quick statement, but it's a beautiful statement. And he says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 9, he says, So we make it our goal to please him. Or you could say it this way, we make it our priority to please him. So let me ask that question that I've been wrestling with over the last couple weeks. Is it my priority in life, in everything that I do, to please him? I'll give you an example of this. Last week we took our girls to Cedar Rapids, and then whenever we're by Lindale Mall, they know when we're by Lindale Mall, because they'll say, I want to go play at Lindale Mall, right? Y'all know that little play area that Lindale Mall has? Um, they want to go play in that. So I said, fine, let's go. We went, and went to the, the toy area, or the play area, and my daughters started playing in this. And any, has anybody been in that thing? No? Well, a couple of you. I mean, it's, it, no. It's not a good place to be. Um, I, can, I love my kids. But, you know, it's like, anyways. So we're there, and it's packed. It's Saturday, it's packed. Kids are all over the place. Um, now, I have to say this. My daughters are in gymnastics. They love gymnastics. They're actually pretty good at it. 
Um, so here's what happens. We're in the play area, and my wife and I are sitting there, and we're just kind of watching and, and paying attention. And for 45 minutes, all we hear the entire time, Daddy, Daddy, watch me. Daddy, Daddy, watch me. Daddy, over here. Daddy, watch me. No matter where they were in the play area, we're getting screamed at for, them to, for me to watch them. And, and here's the thing. I, I love to get excited for my kids. Um, internally, I'm thinking, after about like 10 minutes of this, I'm like, baby, I've watched you slide down that slide like 45 times. It, it's going to look the same, but you just want me to keep watching. That's all right. So every time they're climbing on something, and my daughter's jumping off and doing the splits in the air, and they're sliding off, and they're climbing up stuff, and they wanna, they're like, watch, I can do it with no hands. I can do this with... Here's the point. My children were not yelling at me to watch them because they were trying to earn my approval or they were trying to seek my favor or they were trying to make me love them anymore. My kids already got that. They already got my approval. They already got my favor. They already got my love. That wasn't why they were crying out to me. They were crying out to me to watch because they wanted me to join them in celebrating how far they've come in their abilities and what they were doing. They were saying, watch me, watch me. We're in gymnastics. We're, we've learning to balance. We're learning to jump off. We're learning to like, when we hit the ground, we tumble and we roll. You know, we're learning to do all these things. And they wanted us, they wanted my wife and I to watch them so we could celebrate with them and say, that is awesome. You guys are doing so well. You're, you're, you're getting it. You're making progress. You're, you're, you're doing better each and every day. Well, here, here's why I'm bringing this up. It's the same thing our Heavenly Father wants from us. Our Heavenly Father, you can't earn His approval. You can't earn His favor. You can't earn His love. You've already got it. Right? You've already got it. That's why it's called grace. But our Father wants us to be the types of children that yell out to Him with our lives and say, Daddy, watch me. Watch me. I'm going to show you. I'm getting it. Daddy, I'm getting it. This is making sense to me. I'm starting to get how you want. Daddy, watch how I'm going to treat my wife better. Daddy, watch how I'm going to love my kids better. Daddy, watch how I'm going to go do my job, and I'm going to do it right, and I'm not going to be grumpy, and I'm not going to be negative, and I'm not going to gossip, and I'm not going to do... Watch me, Daddy, because I just want to please you. I just want you to see how far I've come. Daddy, I just want you to celebrate with me because I just want to please you. It's the same concept when, when we say that our priority is, it's our goal, it's our priority to please him. We just want to yell out to God with our lives and say, God, watch this. I'm gonna, I want to please you with how I love my wife and how I love my kids and how I treat them and how I speak to them. I, I want to I please you with how I, I go to work and I do my job because I'm doing it for you. I, I want to show you and I want to please you how I spend my time and how I spend my money. I, I want to show you and, and please you with the choices that I make because you you're number one. You're the priority. Now, I said we've been preaching through 1 Peter, so now I finally get to 1 Peter. Because there's just one little sentence in there that sets as the foundation of all of this. As we sum all this up and we think about what is the main priority of life, and it's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In the middle of this chapter, it literally sets almost in the middle of the book, the middle of this letter that Peter wrote, Peter makes this one statement in verse 15 of chapter 3. He says this, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. 
Do you know why it's so difficult many times for us to actually put Jesus as the priority that he needs to be? It's because we've never actually set him apart as Lord of our lives. It took me a long time to learn this lesson. I grew up in the church. I grew up from the moment I was born, I was in the church, uh, serving in the church, doing everything in the church. That's what my life was. I love the concept of Jesus as Savior. That was awesome, right? Jesus as Savior is beautiful. But here's the point. I had to come face to face with the fact that I never, ever, in most of my life, until I was in my mid-20s, ever actually put Jesus as Lord of my life. Oh, I love the Savior part, right? The Savior part was great. But I never actually set him apart as Lord. And here's why. To set Jesus apart as Lord means that I have to step down as Lord. And I didn't want to do that. I like setting my own priorities. I like dictating where my life goes. I like being the one in control, the captain. You ever heard that saying where they says, if Jesus is your co-pilot, switch seats? I don't like that statement. Here's mine. If Jesus is your co-pilot, get up and get out of the cockpit. Go sit in the back and let him fly. He does not need you next to him. Here's the thing. And I'm not dogging on my wife, please. She's not here so I can do it. But she likes to tell me how to drive, right? No matter where she's at in the car, she likes to tell me how to drive. Okay? That's fine. She's my wife. I, I married into that. I'm good. I chose her. It's all good. I love her. Here's the point. Man, Jesus does not need us barking in his ear when he's guiding our lives. He doesn't need us telling him what we think needs to happen. He just needs us to say, I trust you, you got this, I'm along for the ride. And that's what it means to set Christ apart as Lord of our lives. When you think about this just for a moment of, you know, him being set apart as Lord of your life, I just, just a couple last thoughts. To live a Christ-centered priority of life, so to have Christ be the center, or, you know, be the priority of your life, realize it's not found outside of ourselves, it's only comes from within. So what I mean by that is many times we get sucked into this idea that, um, well, I'll put Christ first when I get these things figured out in my life. When my life calms down, or when I get this problem figured out, or if I get my money situation done, we, we kind of try to make all these reasons outside of ourselves that say, I'll get there eventually, but I just got to take care of these things. To put Christ as the center of our lives, to put him as the priority of life and let him be Lord of our life is never found outside of ourselves. It only starts internally. It's an internal decision, a commitment that I make of my own desire and will to him saying it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, what the situation is, it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow, you're not coming out. You're not coming off the throne of my life. You're still going to stay the main priority. The other thing you have to realize is to put Christ as the priority of your life, that's also a personal choice. You can't make it for somebody else, and somebody else can't make it for you. Right? Don't get me wrong, I'm sure, and I'm not speaking about anybody in here, so realize this, nobody in here, okay? But I'm sure there's probably some wives that are like, <laughs> my, if I could do that for him, I would do that in a heartbeat. And there might be some husbands saying the same thing about wives, or we might say it about our kids. Man, I am gonna, 
I'm going to force you. You can't force anybody to put Christ as the center of their life. You can't do it. It has to be a personal choice. Nobody can do it for you either. You have to be the one to make it. And here's the last point I want you to understand about this, when Christ is set apart as Lord of our life. I am here to tell you through personal experience, and if you've never experienced this, listen, and talk to other people that maybe have experienced this, when Christ became the main priority of life, when he became the center of life, when he became everything and Lord of my life, he brought peace out of chaos. And this morning, if your life has chaos in it, it's not what Jesus intended for his followers. Now, does that mean life's perfect? By no means does that mean life is perfect. Does that mean there's no storms of life? No, there's storms in life. But here's the difference. Now when the storm of life comes, I remember that I'm not the captain of this boat. I am in the boat with the captain that controls the storms. And peace is always there. So man, if your life is, is just full of, if your family's full of chaos, if your marriage is full of chaos, if trying to raise your kids is full of chaos, if work is chaos, if just your life, if everything about if your own, whatever, if it's chaos, I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question. Is he set apart as Lord of my life? Because I am telling you here that when he becomes the main priority, he brings peace out of chaos. I'll give you one last analogy to kind of help this maybe, and my brain is kind of weird, but this makes sense to me. Everybody, anybody ever tried to uh, uh, push your way through a pool door? You can admit it. It's okay. We've all done it, okay? Right? You ever try to push, I mean, you ever been one of those people that it took you a while to figure out that you were trying to go, you were trying to push through a pool door? I'm here to tell you right now that when Christ is not the priority of your life, you are like a person trying to push your way through a pull door. And here's the point. You can push with all of your might. You can fight. You can put all the effort you have into trying to get that door open. And you could even have the best intentions of why you're trying to get that door open. But it's not the way God intended it to work. And all it does is leave you frustrated, angry, and let's be honest, sometimes embarrassed. So I want to encourage you this morning as, as I end my portion. Is it possible that there are some areas of your life right now where because Christ is not the priority he needs to be, you're trying to push your way through something that's not meant to be pushed open? And it's not working. That's the point. It's not about the fact that you're not supposed to go through the door. It's the fact that you're trying to force your way through it in a way you're not meant to. What, in, what you have to do is you have to humble yourself, say, I'm doing it the wrong way, and you have to accept that you have to do it the way the Creator says to do it. And when that happens, look how easy the door opens. And now you're ushered into that abundant life that God wanted for you in the first place. So is life chaotic in ways that you don't want it to be chaotic? Are you fighting to find this peace that Jesus talked about? Are you trying to find this abundant life that he, does, that he promised? Ask yourself that question. Have you submitted and placed him as Lord of your life and made him the first priority? So as I close in prayer, 
Here's my last question for you to think about. Is there anybody here in need of a priority readjustment? Because nobody can do it for you. It's up to us to make that choice. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, we give you praise for this day and being able again to gather in your presence. Lord, you are good. You are so awesome. You are so worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship. But Lord, I know in my own heart I have to acknowledge that there are so many times where my pride and selfishness gets in the way and that temptation to let other things become the priority. In the presence of you this morning, Lord, in the presence of your spirit, as your anointing falls upon us, as your spirit falls upon us, speaks to us, moves through us, Lord, challenge us wherever we are at. Lord, if we are in need of a readjustment in our priority, Lord, let us accept that with humility, but with a confidence that we can trust you in every aspect of life. Father, if we're here this morning and we know that we've placed you as Lord of our life, that you are the priority, then fill us with that, that confidence and that, that spirit of rejoicing, Lord, as we pray for the other, others around us. Let us be a witness and an example to the others around us that are seeking answers and seeking that peace and that abundance. Let us become a beacon that can show them that, hey, these are the lessons I had to learn. Let us be confident enough to share them with one another, help one another, guide one another, disciple one another. But Lord, whatever it is that we need to do this morning in your presence, whatever it is, let our number one goal be to glorify you and to please you as our Father. As we cry out with our lives, Daddy, look, I'm getting it. It's starting to make sense. Father, just smile upon your church today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.